Welcome to Twin Peaks Unwrapped. I'm your host, Ben Durant, and beside me is... Brian Kazaska. How's it going, Ben? It's going good. How's, the, how's the, the quarantine life? You know, it's, um, it's been interesting. Um, I don't know if I want to use the word fun, but it's been interesting. <laughs> I'm always thinking that, like, oh, all the things I would do if I had more time, and, and kind of we have more time, sort of. We're, we're home. <laughs> but you still don't have enough time. No. No, uh, between work and other things, no, uh, you know, things happening in life. And life and it's still like, and the stress, you know, sometimes you just want to get into a, you know, bunch up into a corner and, <laughs> and cry, cry myself to sleep. <laughs> I don't know. No, that's not, why are we here today? What are we, we are back to doing uh, interviews again, right? And based on our Twin Peaks Unwrapped book, we, we've got some interviews we want to share. We're not going to share every interview from the book, but it's kind of a nice sample to kind of give you a taste of what we've done in the book. Today, we have the one, the only, Tim Hunter, and he was a director Ah. On three of the episodes of the original Twin Peaks series, he did episode 5, 9, and 21. He's also, for Peakies out there, uh, Tim Hunter, he's still directing stuff. He's still doing stuff. He's, he, he did um, an episode, I know people really like Hannibal. He uh, directed some episodes of Hannibal. He's one of the best directors, I think, of uh, Twin Peaks. He, I mean, there's so many good directors, but he was right. definitely one of the best. Yeah. The guy has, if he's done Law and Order, Twin Peaks, Madman, Hannibal. I mean, the guy has done it all. He's an amazing personality. I think he, he, he is just like, he's a great talker. His stories are wonderful. And obviously, if you get our book, you'll, you'll, uh, you'll read some of those interesting nuggets we got from him from this interview. But he, he, he was very gracious with, gracious with his time. And you've said this in the past, Ben, I think the most interesting people have been the people behind the curtain. Yeah, I mean, so those directors, I mean, I, I should have realized this five years ago when we started, the directors are the one that knows the in, the episodes inside and out. They're the ones that have to go over the script and get all the shots together and work with the actors and all the other people that make up the show, the editing and all that. So if anybody, if anybody's going to know an episode or, or really know the show, it's going to be the director. Right. And man, we I think we struck gold with Tim Hunter. So let's listen. Hello. Hi, it's Ben Durant. How you doing? Okay, Ben, how are you? Good. Thank you for your time, and it's a, it's a real pleasure to get to talk to you. So I'd love to talk to you. Like, how did you get involved with Twin Peaks? Well, I, I had uh, been at the AFI with uh, David Lynch in the first class uh, when that program started in the 1970, and uh, so I knew David, and when the... Uh, 
show was starting up, I got a call actually from Mark Frost, and I think uh, I met Mark for uh, uh, for for lunch or something, and they asked me if I wanted to uh, work on it, and of course uh, I was delighted to say yes. Yeah, and you did River's Edge, which in, in some ways is a little bit similar to Twin Peaks in that there's a naked dead body and there's these teenagers, and, and it's it's a really great film. Thank you. And could you walk us through, like, I mean, you're the first director besides Mark Frost that we've really talked to, so I was curious about, like, what's, like, pre-production like? Do you get a script, and, and where do you go from there? You know, it's it's, it's been so long, I, I can't remember where Twin Peaks fit in in terms of how thorough the prep was. In television, you have as many days of prep as you have to shoot. So you have seven or eight days of prep, seven or eight days of shooting. And it's very unusual if you get the script before you show up for work on the first day of prep. Mm. At that point, you know, there's usually some casting to do, probably less on Twin Peaks than on other shows, because it was a large ensemble cast that had already been uh, set. Yeah. And... Uh, a certain amount of locations of uh, scouting to do. And I remember doing some of that on Twin Peaks for the exteriors. They shot it on that stage in uh, Chatsworth, I guess, uh, Encino or Chatsworth, I forget where their warehouse headquarters were. But, uh, you know, so we would go out to look for uh, uh, exteriors, largely in the woods. I remember we shot, there was a park uh, up at the top of Beverly uh drive uh, off Mulholland Drive hmm. that was a nature preserve. We went to Westlake Village, uh, which had a certain amount of uh, woods and an outdoor feeling to it, stuff like that. So, you you know, you do whatever casting you need to do. You find whatever locations you need to find. You uh, have a certain number of production meetings with uh, department heads and the producers and uh, organize whatever it is you need to organize for the show and then you just plunge in and shoot the thing. TV, even on Twin Peaks, is uh, often for a director like being dealt a hand of poker and you just have to sort of take the cards you're dealt and play it the best way you can. Fortunately, at the beginning of Twin Peaks, it was wonderful material and everybody knew that, that uh, we were working on something really special. For episode four, which is like the the llama veterinarian episode, uh, I look at the script that's and what I remember about yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> there's no in the script. There's no llama, so I was wondering, is that your idea to bring the llama into the show? That was actually my idea. I I I, I suggested the uh, the llama, and I, I imagine it was because uh, uh, driving around places like Topanga Canyon and places where, in fact, we were actually going to shoot. Uh, that sequence in the vets episode there were llamas all over the place mm -hmm. so uh, um, I think I did suggest that there's a lovely moment there where Kyle McLaughlin and the llama actually make eye contact for a second and that's the thing I, re I remember most about that episode I love that yes and of course it <laughs> makes you think of Dalai Lama there, the, 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 like he was really into the Dalai Lama and you have actual llama, llama. yeah as a director, um, I wonder how, what your style is of working with the actors. Do you let them contribute ideas? Do you let them improv? Or do they, you really try to keep them to the script? Depends on the show and the situation. Um, television is, you know, is, is run by producer-writers for the most part. Yeah. So it's rare that they want 
the directors to encourage the actors to deviate from the script. Sometimes you're told that a certain actor, they like the way he reworks the dialogue to suit his own cadences. It's okay to let them go. Sometimes they say, uh, if an actor wants to do a, another line or you have an idea for another line, just run it by us first. Sometimes they say, if you feel you, you know, that the dialogue is being changed and you, it's expedient for you to shoot it, shoot it, but make sure you have the scripted dialogue in the can so it can be uh, worked any way the producers want to in the, uh, in the cutting room. I don't think anybody was ad-libbing very much on Twin Peaks. Yeah. It was very specifically written, you know, with certain cadences and uh, in a very stylized uh, manner. So the actors were all into it. And, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun because there was always an element of the mysterious about it. Definitely. And I, I thought I heard something like maybe like Russ Tamlin wanted to do like a magic trick. <laughs> maybe you let him do that. Probably like when he was sitting there with uh, with Cooper... Uh, you know, talking about what is it? Probably about Laura Palmer and about confidentiality. But I think he he might have done like some kind of a magic trick that you probably let him do. Yeah, I don't I don't remember to what extent that was vetted with the producers. I do remember that Russ liked doing this slate of hand stuff, and of course it was a lot of fun. So uh, whether or not I let him do it on my authority or. Uh, whether it was sanctioned from above, I don't remember, but obviously everybody enjoyed it. And Leslie Linka Gladder had mentioned that in the first season, the directors kind of hung out eat with each other, and that it wasn't normal. Usually, usually a director would would film his or her um, a show and then would leave. And she had mentioned that you still and others kind of hung around. What was that like? The first season, kind of being with with everybody. I think that's true. I remember going out to lunch with Leslie a number of times on Twin Peaks, and it's true, it doesn't really happen uh, very much. You know, TV is, is, is staggered so that while one director is prepping, the other director is shooting, and then once that director starts shooting, a new director starts prepping. Yeah. And it's just checkerboarded that way without anybody losing a day. But it was because uh, the material was so special. David and Mark you know, had created something so unique. Cast was so wonderful. And the directors were given a fair amount of freedom in the first, uh, well, I think throughout on uh, on Twin Peaks, more than on other shows. Certainly we, we were given uh, a fair amount of stylistic freedom. And, um, you know, I felt later on some of the later one-shot directors sort of used it as a springboard for some directorial overachieving at times. Mm. Uh, you know, I always try to keep stuff pretty rooted to the uh, story, even if it was a bizarre, uh, you know, some little bizarre addition like the llama in the vet's office. Yeah. Or I remembered I had them uh, in the lodge at one point. They were packing up the lodge, and I had them carry the uh, mounted uh, swordfish across the frame, <laughs> that sort of thing. Uh, lots of fun to do on Twin Peaks. Plus, uh, they weren't, in those days as tough on you uh, over the time if it ran into a, a, a some not huge but reasonable amount of overtime they would let you do it and i believe david and mark put up their own uh, salaries to pay for some of those overages wow i may be wrong but that was my impression at the time that they guaranteed the schedule and at the same time uh, were not punitive if uh, directors needed more time it was not a fast show to shoot partly because uh, 
the cameraman was not uh, especially fast, and by the last season, he had, in fact, gotten uh, conspicuously slow. <laughs> But you, I mean, with all the episodes you did, the three episodes, your pacing is incredible. Like you have, yeah. you just have this great pace about how you how you structure the episode. I'm just so impressed with. Well, thanks. Uh, um, no, I think I have a good sense of uh, of pace, and uh, I always try to get to the heart of a scene. And again, in television, uh, you know, you know, because you're always up against uh, the clock. And a tight schedule in television, it becomes a craft exercise to some degree in how you can distill a scene down to the least number of shots, the fewest number of components, and still capture what you need to capture in the uh, creation and the stylization of the, of the scene. So uh, I appreciate the compliment. I also had uh, Paul Trejo editing, I think, all three episodes that I did. Wonderful editor. And then uh, Laurie Eschler was the music editor who had charge of the uh, Angelo Badalamenti Library. And uh, both of those collaborators were uh, in incredibly rewarding to, to, to work with. Yeah. And mentioning editing... I hear all the time in like film uh, films the the director will go and sit down with the editor when it comes time for uh, post production. Were you were you able to do that as well with television? Oh yeah, no, I was there every second of it. Wow, mm. that's great. I mean, I think that's probably why, like I said, why it's so tight and it's so well yeah. done because you're able to be there after filming to still make sure that's what you wanted. Well, I, I pride myself a little bit in TV that uh, I've had a pretty high percentage of of, of uh, director's cuts that have been more or less approved as is and put on the air the way I gave it to them. The producers almost invariably have to trim out a minute or two, but beyond that, a pretty rewarding history of not having to have had scenes recut or restructured as such. But yeah, no, I wouldn't have missed a minute of the editing, not on this material. Not on any material, for that matter, unless I'm you know, have some huge conflict. Yeah. I'm there for the for the run until I turn in a director's cut. And at that point, you know, in T V they they never they never want to see you again <laughs> once you've turned in the director's cut. But that's fine. Yeah. That's the medium. And and what was the atmosphere like in season two? So you, you, you did I mean there there was actually a big jump. I mean you guys were able to they all the all of season one was filmed together and then it was a time period and then you come back and you have new cast and it's a bigger show and, and what was season two like coming back to it? I, I never could figure out how they numbered the seasons in, in Twin Peaks but if, if you're talking about the uh, the last episode because I did the next to the last episode right. is that what you're talking about? I guess I was just I mean I guess you would have come back I know the numbers all everybody has different numbers I guess you would have the first time you would have come back for season two would have been the Leland Palmer death it was still a love fest in terms mm. of uh, the cast and the crew and the directors toward the material we still felt you know it was, it was still the Laura Palmer case for one mm. thing and uh, you know so we all just felt we were part of something really really uh, special at that point and there was great camaraderie and a lot of spirit on the uh, on the set it was just a, a, a great experience I, you know consistently hanging over Twin Peaks's production was the question and the threat of what the network mm -hmm. would do to the show and whether or not they would cancel it there was always a knowledge that uh, 
that the it was ABC, right? That ABC yes. didn't really get the show, you know, didn't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as much as the working atmosphere was uh, incredibly special, and I think everybody would say that, <laughs> there was this sort of sword hanging over the whole thing as to uh, how long the network was going to uh, keep it going. In the third season, I mean, it was hardly the third season with only with the whole thing only going, I believe, to 28 episodes. But then the uh, the the boom had already fallen. Everybody knew the uh, the show had been canceled. The David and Mark had largely gone off to work on feature projects, though David was coming back to do the last episode, which, as I said before, nobody had any idea what it would be like. And at that point, the this, this spirit of the show had uh, dampened. Yeah. Uh, the, some of the actors had become more cynical. Uh, the cameraman had slowed down to a crawl. <laughs> and uh, it was a different uh, set of challenges. And it was, it was, it was a, an element of sadness to it. I had gone back, you know, I was excited to go back and do that penultimate episode because I'd had such a great experience on the show and I wanted to see everybody again. So I was uh, sad to see that the spirits had, uh, had gone uh, down. That last episode that you did it was was amazing. I mean, it really complimented David Lynch's last episode, mm-hmm. and I, I was so impressed by. I saw it when it originally aired, so it actually was a movie of the week. So they put it together. So I think some people thought that was Dave. Your work was David Lynch's work. You know, they thought it was all one big movie by David Lynch. But you did it, and it's such an impressive job with that last episode of yours. Well, uh, again, thanks a lot. The uh, the the challenge on that one was the cameraman had slowed down so much. When I got there, they told me that I was only going to be able to get like 16 shots uh, a day. Mm-hmm. And uh, that boils down to like two setups a page. TV on a smoothly moving uh, shooting schedule, you could easily get 40 or more setups a day. So I, I didn't believe it when I first heard it. So I asked to see the production reports of the shows that had gone before. And indeed, you know, the, the number of setups that uh, were being shot in a day had just gone down drastically. So I had to figure out how I was going to do the show with a lot fewer shots than, uh, than I was used to getting. And I decided that I would run Ozu's film Tokyo Story, which I ran for myself hmm. and just got into a kind of a minimalist uh, frame of mind and so the show had also gotten a bit soapy so i always referred to the i always thought of the episode as my japanese style falcon crest <laughs> episode but uh you know it, it was it was a different show uh than when the other writers were uh, running it and it was a, the 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 windham earl story rather than the laura palmer story yeah, I think your show uh, there might be the only time they did multiple cameras. So for mm-hmm. the Miss Twin Peaks pageant, you actually had uh, more than one camera going on, right? You know, that's a good question. I'm so used to working with two cameras in television, it it, uh, it never even occurred to me. Did we only have one camera? I think you. I think I think there's only one camera that you yeah. used the whole time, and then when it came for the Miss Twin Peaks, there was so much action going on with with smoke and people running all over the place that you set up uh, multiple cameras. Well, I don't doubt it. Um, <laughs> the uh, that's interesting. I'd completely forgotten that. 
I'm so used to AMB cameras yeah. at this point in time for years and years now. I'd uh, I'd for, forgotten if uh, if Twin Peaks was only a single camera show back in the you know in the day when they first started doing that. I suppose there was a question, and it centered largely around the cameramen because some cameramen didn't like shooting two cameras at once because they felt you know that they would get in each other's way or it would compromise the lighting on occasion. I always felt that the best way to use two cameras was not to just set them up on the same thing and shoot two different sizes, but really to use them in a way where you would get uh, uh, two separate shots and advance the action a lot uh, more quickly than if you were shooting one camera at a time. Yeah. Nowadays, uh, I've done shows where uh, it's been standard to have uh, three cameras rolling at the same time. Wow. I love it. I love it all to tell you the truth. The more cameras <laughs> I can get rolling uh, on it, the better. Although I'm not one to just shoot stuff indiscriminately in all kinds of different sizes. I plan it out pretty carefully, but still, it's wonderful to get the uh, the extra angles or uh, pick out the details with a second or a third camera. Again, it depends a lot on the DP, how comfortable the director of photography is shooting multiple cameras and how it affects their lighting. Leland? That's not Leland. How did you know? Laura told me in her dream. And I was wondering what was the, like the secrecy on set was like. I mean, you came back to do uh, the the death of Leland Palmer, where Cooper finally finds out who, who killed Laura Palmer, and there was like scripts would have like Ben being the killer, and you they had all kinds of different ways of trying to keep the secret. Well, like as a director, how was it for you to be on the set and make sure that nothing got revealed? I've always been good at keeping my mouth shut. I think that's probably all I had to uh, worry about. My father was a blacklisted writer during the McCarthy era. Wow. And I had to keep it secret when he was working on TV shows under an assumed name because the FBI would show up at the door. Oh so uh, I've, always, I've, been, I've always been pretty good at keeping my mouth shut when the situation required it. When I originally saw the show, I mean, uh, the, they, uh, Leland had died, and then uh, all these men go into the woods and they talk about what happened to uh, Bob. Seen some strange things, but this is way off the map. I'm having a hard time believing. Harry, is it easier to believe a man would rape and murder his own daughter? Any more comforting? No. An evil that great in this beautiful world. Finally, does it matter what the cause? Yes because it's our job to stop it. Maybe that's all Bob is. The evil that men do. Maybe it doesn't matter what we call it. And I really thought the show was over. I thought that was the last episode. I mean, it had wrapped up the, the Laura Palmer case and I just thought, wow, that's how we end it. And then it comes back. D did you question how would this show go on with, without a Laura Palmer case? No, because it was David coming in after that episode, right? And you just knew that he was going to do something uh, that was more abstract and personal and phantasmagorical and thematic. And uh, I, I, I always felt that uh, they, they used me to some extent as a utility man on that show. Uh, in one case, I think I came in after David, and I felt, you know, that my purpose was to kind of... Uh, 
reorient the story and get everything kind of clear again in the audience's mind. And, uh, and, you know, and then there were those times where I went right before David and I felt that my function was to kind of clarify the story, get the story into focus in the minds of the audience so that David could then come in and do whatever the hell it was he wanted to do. Yeah. Well, you did it. You did a great yeah. job with that. And Wyndham Earl, I mean, in, in that episode right before Lynch, uh, uh, Wyndham Earl at the beginning has white face and he's just like like a black mouth and he has the spiders dangling over Leo. Did you come up with this idea of like kind of like, I don't know what you want to say. What is it? I, I think I heard it. It was, I don't know if it was Oriental or what it was. It was Kabuki? Just, the, Kabuki. The, 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 the black teeth is for me. Yeah. And that was an homage to Japanese cinema because I had watched Ozu and Mitsuguchi before directing the episode and so that was a that was an inside gag for me mm. as an homage to Japanese films that I watched before doing the episode you know if you look at those Mitsuguchi uh, geisha films that are so wonderful the life of Oharu and uh, other films in that period I guess it was fashionable in those days to black the teeth out. Yeah. So that was where that came from. Well, it was very haunting. It was very, it was it was such a very like. And sur- it seemed that Lynch reused that imagery later on. Maybe like in Firewalk with Me, Firewalk, you're thinking yeah. it's similar. It similar. is very similar. Yeah. You know, David was always able to do stuff, uh, you know, in his own natural way without uh, pushing it, and. Uh, a couple of times I would push things a bit, like Bob laughing in the mirror in that episode uh, uh, when he's, uh, Leland is dancing with uh, Lara Flynn Boyle and then it's revealed to be Bob in the mirror and I had him sort of cackle away with a laugh. And then I looked at the next episode that David did and saw that he had done something much creepier, just a, just a slight uh, gesture and uh, made me realize, you know, how how good David is and uh, and the, how unique he is and how, uh, you know, in, in, in a couple of places I had, I had pushed stuff a little too far to get the effect I wanted, whereas David just tossed off this, this stuff. I always thought your work really complimented uh, yeah. David's work very well. I mean, like, I, I'm sure you've heard this before, but many people say you're probably the second best director of Twin Peaks. I mean, the work that you you did is just amazing. I mean, it really is something else. Well, I appreciate it. Certainly, the show has uh, had a long life, and um, it was wonderful to be uh, to be a part of it way back then. I still have my crew shirt and my hat. Huh. Oh, that's awesome. The other question I have, so this is another script thing that you probably don't know the answer, but, you know, in your, Wyndham Earl and Cooper in the script actually confront each other. They're on the catwalk and they actually have dialogue back and forth, whereas your episode didn't have them confront each other in in the show and David never really got it because they were in the red room and they didn't really, do you remember if that got filmed, Wyndham and Earl on the catwalk? There was. Was it in the script of my episode? Yes. And it never happened? That's right. That's odd. Um, no, I don't remember what those circumstances were. I remember shooting Wyndham Earl on the catwalk, but, uh, you know, they must have put, uh, somebody must have, David and Mark, or, or else it was, uh, Harley Payton and Bob Engels, I don't know, they, somebody must have decided, uh, 
not to do it or they were going to hold it for the next episode. Yeah. They probably just put a set of revised pages through that took Cooper out of it. Right. And that was that because, you know, you shoot whatever you're given. Definitely. And it could have been a time uh, thing. There was a lot going on. They can often uh, just throw a, you know, a, a set of colored uh, rewrite pages at you in the middle of production. Huh. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, do you have any other final thoughts about working on Twin Peaks? It was very special. You know, I, I keep saying that, and so does everybody else, I'm, I'm sure. I was just very lucky to have, uh, to have worked on it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I actually think that uh, your questions covered a lot of what, uh, what I remember. Yeah. That's good. Well, it really is an honor, and I just love your work, and I, I'm so glad that, that, uh, that you were part of this show because you, you mean a lot to the fans. I think we all yeah. really appreciate the, the stuff that you've done for the show. Thank you so much. Well, great. Thank you, guys. Is this on? Is this on? I'm beginning to tire of his interruptions. Welcome. I don't know. I think he's cute. This is night of festivities. Thank you, Tim Hunter, for being part of the Twin Peaks Unwrapped book, which you can get at bluerosemag.com. Uh, supplies are very limited, uh, um, so please get your copy today. And... Um, yeah, Ben, man, what a show, what an interview, what a guy. I mean, yeah, so it was yeah. so amazing to be able to talk with him. And, you know, I love that, you know, he's he, the whole uh, episode uh, 28, at least that's what I call it, the second to last episode of season two, and having some background on that episode and him really preparing David Lynch for the last episode. I mean, it's so cool to hear about the stories of that and a, a, right. a great interview. Love it. Also, before we go, Ben, I do want to um, take the time to say thank you for, for the people sending us emails. We do appreciate it. I've done my best to write back to people. If I haven't yet, I will. You know, we're, we get emails from people who are just starting the podcast, which mm. I don't know if they're ever going to hear this, which will be much <laughs> later. But those 200 people, plus episodes later. Yeah, right. Um, we have vi- some very nice emails and we, we get emails uh, criticizing our past and that's what we were doing back then. We were a little sloppy. We weren't perfect. And we, we appreciate the criticism. But as you go through our, our back catalog up till now, um, our show has definitely become more polished. Yes. Become more professional. But we, we do appreciate the criticisms because it does help us make us a better podcast. And we've, we've, we've taken those to heart years ago. Mm. But we're always improving. We're always trying to make the show better. But we do appreciate it. Um, and and the, the lovely emails where people are just happy to have us in their ears during quarantine. They're re-watching the show yet again. And they're like, we, I, I have no one to talk to you about this. And they jump into our show and they love it. And we, we thank you for joining um, Twin Peaks Unwrapped. And we appreciate all the feedback. Yeah, totally, definitely. And yeah, and like one last thing with Tim Hunter, you know, if you like this interview that we did, I recommend you haven't gotten the book, Twin Peaks Unwrap the Book, and it's got a lot more great interviews, a lot more directors we've interviewed. And uh, yeah, you can get it at bluerosemag.com. And, uh, you know, also I want to remind people that we are, we've been watching online Twin Peaks together on our watch parties at, at cast. Yeah, we have it in the show notes, but we are, we are entering season three. We're going to start watching season three of Twin Peaks. That is so exciting. I, I haven't watched it 
fully all the way through since since way back when, when it was airing and stuff. So this is exciting to be every week. We're watching uh, two parts up until October when we uh, end season three. Yeah, so cool. Ben, I mean, I, kudos to you. You have taken... You've done season one, two, Firewalk with me, going to season three. This is going to take us until October, I'm sure. But yes. and you've got some great guests to come on and surprise people. So yeah, that's we, have, like, we have people special. delivering the message. We have actors who are delivering their like hello messages and stuff. Yeah. Not every week, but we try to as, as often as we can. We get uh, Twin Peaks actors to just say hi to the people who join us. So it's kind of a special little little thing we do for people who are who are part of the watch party and uh with all that ben uh that's been a show if you have a comment question or theory give us an email at twinpeaksunwrapped at gmail.com you can like us on the old facebook you can tweet us at twin peaks unwrapped give us that five star review on itunes leave us a comment if you like that would be fantastic um, we're on Spotify. We're on all the podcast places by now. Y- you'll find us. Also, T Public has decided to join into the mask making business. And if you order a, a Twin Peaks Unwrapped mask, they do donate for every one bot. They donate a mask to uh, people who need them in the medical field. So you can hop on T Public. You can buy a shirt. You can buy yourself a mask now, which is kind of cool. I got to get awesome. one for myself. I got to get one for myself. I gotta go into it. It's awesome. So yeah, cool. I, yeah. I need more masks since we're gonna be ma- we're, we're basically in a world where we all wear masks now. I need more than just one. Yes, for sure. Uh, all right, everybody. We'll be. We'll see you in a few weeks. There's worse places to start than this Twin Peaks. It's like a fairy tale. You're the queen. Oh.